0: Hello and welcome to this edition of the ILO's Future of Work podcast. I'm Sophie Fisher. This month, the International Labour Conference, which brings together the ILO's 187 member states, will be meeting. One of the items on the agenda will be the issue of inequality – The topic is particularly relevant right now as policymakers plan for recovery because research by the ILO and many other organisations found that during the COVID-19 crisis, inequality got worse. Existing inequalities deepened and new inequalities emerged. Now, when looking at inequality and ways of tackling it, one important element is wages or income. And this is an area on which the ILO has done some interesting work. With me now is Patrick Belser, senior economist and wage expert at the ILO in Geneva. Patrick, welcome and thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you. Thank
0: you, Sophie. Patrick, let me start with a really basic question, which is, why does inequality matter?
1: Well, I think uh, inequality uh, is uh, is very important. They, there has always been some level of inequality between people. Uh, because obviously we are not one in the same and people have different abilities and people make different choices uh, so some level of inequality is is a fact of life but when inequality is very high it's definitely very bad for people and for societies and that has been uh, increasingly documented by uh, academics by different uh, organizations and um, Obviously, uh, it hurts people, you know, it hurts people to have to live in poverty and uh, to not be able to afford a decent lifestyle for their children when at the same time they see other people who enjoy a very comfortable life and buy houses and and three cars and uh, the the poor people see that the money is there, but it's not for them. And so they struggle while other people um, seem to have a very comfortable life. Uh, so and so, you know, you, you have uh, when you have these these different realities for different people. You have also societies that uh, that tend to to fall apart when people live in different bubbles.
0: And, and just so we know exactly what we're talking about, what's the difference between income inequality and wage inequality? Because they're not quite the same, are they? Uh,
1: no, they're different concepts. Uh, wages is one source of income. It's the it's really what. Uh, people get in exchange of their work uh, from their employers so you need to be a a wage employee an employee a salaried person uh, and then you receive a wage and the wage is what you get in exchange for for the hours of work that you put in for the employer but of course that's that's not the only source of income for people and families Uh, some people Work and don't have an employer, so these are the self-employed people. And uh, we know that uh, in developing countries, many people work in the informal economy where they where they are uh, self-employed. Uh, you have also people who work on digital platforms who don't have a, a status of uh, of wage employees. Uh, but then, of course, people also have uh, their own land or their own capital, and they receive incomes from these things, from land and capital. Or people can also get income from the state. So to social transfers, social security. So wage, wage inequality is really what happens in the markets when you, when people are in the labor market, uh, in, in the world of work. Uh, whereas the income inequality is, is really a broader notion, which is normally also measured at the level of families, because normally you, you share your income within a, a household or a family.
0: So so wage inequality applies to those who are formally employed in the ILO de- definition of formal employment is that right
1: It's uh, many of uh, of the wage employees are formally employed but you have also uh, wage employees in uh, informal enterprises for example uh, or you can uh, you can also have uh, Situations of, uh, of casual wage workers in India, for example, this is the case where people are recruited in the morning and, uh, and they work for one day. They are not formal, but nonetheless, they have an employer. Somebody recruits them and pays them for, for the job that they do. So you have a lot of uh, wage workers in the informal economy as well, in fact.
0: So how does wage inequality interact with other, other forms of inequality?
1: Okay, that's, I think that's a very interesting question because in reality, we, in the ILO in particular, we consider that there, are, there is not inequality in, in the singular, there are inequalities because inequalities can take so many different forms. Uh, you, you have uh, inequality between people who earn a lot of money uh, and, and those who, who earn little money, but you have also inequalities between groups So uh, you can have discrimination uh, against particular groups in the labor market. So you see, for example, migrants versus nationals or or, um, also uh, you have gender inequality, very big issue, uh, of course, in the ILO and in the world, in the modern world, um, which is uh, inequality between men and women. And so you always have to ask really inequality between whom and inequality of what? and in in a way the the issue of income inequality is is a bit of like a prism through which you you look at the topic of inequalities but behind there are many different inequalities so wage inequality is correlated with other forms of inequalities if you have a low wage you're also likely to not have access to to social security uh, you may have no Uh, no social protection benefits, Uh, you may have no access to health services. And so the the wage inequality is is often related to many other forms of inequalities, which are also very important.
0: And presumably, if you are on the wrong side of wage inequality, e.g. you're getting paid less, that would compound other inequalities, because essentially wage inequality would mean that you have Less disposable income, and therefore fewer choices.
1: Yes, absolutely. that's true. And in fact, we've also uh, observed that in many countries, the growing wage inequality lies at the root of the growing income inequality. And so you know when 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 wage inequality becomes bigger in the world of work, then there is also a likelihood that that inequality in general becomes bigger. And uh, and so these, these notions are, are very, very much related. And, and you see also that people who work in jobs that are very low paid, they also very often struggle to get enough hours of work. So uh, we know that, um, that low paid workers often work part time. And so they struggle on many different fronts. And, and the wage inequality is just one part of the problem that they
0: face. I've read that developing economies seem to have greater income and wage inequality. Is that actually the case, or is that just a myth?
1: No, that is that is true. We've looked at inequalities in in all our or income inequality in all our member states, at least those who have data. And uh, in general, it is true that uh, income inequality is even higher in emerging and low-income countries than it is in in more advanced countries. And uh, and some countries like South Africa and Brazil are quite extreme in that regard. Uh, In South Africa, we know that uh, the the highest 10% of income earners earn about two-thirds of the country's total income. So you can imagine the extent of of the inequality. Uh, In Brazil, it's it's also about 60%. In a country like France, it would be more like 30 or 35%. Uh, So it is true that inequality tends to be higher in in developing countries. This being said, uh, we've also observed in recent times that inequality has increased in a lot of
0: the more advanced countries. Why is that? Well,
1: one uh, one part of the of the story is uh, is uh, more wage inequality. Another part of the story is higher returns to capital for people who who have a lot of savings. And uh, it's also interesting to see that more and more the people with high wages are also the people with a lot of capital. And so somehow the a lot of the a lot of the benefits of past economic growth has uh, Recruit to people at the top of the pyramids we've also seen that uh, inequality has increased both between and within enterprises so within enterprises you see more dispersion at least in europe uh, and and in the us and um, you have also more inequality between enterprises you have some top star enterprises who are doing extremely well and then you have uh, 80% or even more of enterprises which uh, which struggle to actually make a margin. And so uh, that, that form of inequality has also been one of the reasons uh, behind that trend.
0: Is there also an association between very fast economic growth, which in many cases, but not always is associated with developing economies, um, and uh, the levels of income and wage equality or inequality?
1: Yes, there's, there's even some uh, academic theories that, uh, you know, that propose the idea that when countries develop, there will inevitably be some growing inequality because a country doesn't grow in all its sector at the same time. And so you tend to, you know, to have uh, some sectors which emerge, which become modern, high tech, and, uh, and where productivity is very high. And so those People, those minority of people working in those sectors, uh, start to to earn uh, higher wages and and higher incomes, while the others are left behind for a while. And um, and so, in in developing countries, you have the coexistence between a modern part of the economy and a large informal economy, which inevitably means inequality. Um, but there is a you know, a more recent uh, research showing that uh, this is not necessarily the case that it always happens like this. That if you have a, if you have a good uh, education systems and if you have inclusive policies, that you can have fast economic growth in a way that, that ensures a fair distribution of the benefits of growth, and uh, and so there is no inevitability in the in the increase in inequality linked to economic growth. And I would even say now that a lot of the, uh, the recent studies also look at the, at the reverse relationship is that when you have too much inequality, you will have slower economic growth. Because we need that. We know that if you, if you, if you want to grow solidly as a country, you need to have a solid middle class with people who have money to spend and, uh, and to buy the goods and services that are produced in the country. And so, a solid middle class also requires, you know, some some sort of equitable distribution. And uh, when you don't have that, then uh, then ultimately your economic growth may uh, may slow down and, and become less sustainable.
0: Mm, because presumably, if people have no um, spare income, they can't invest in things like their own SMEs or in education for themselves or, or their kids, and therefore provide the the next generation of of businesses and workers with a higher skill set
1: that's also true and that uh, there's also of course uh, the whole issue of investments in the skills and education of your children when you when you're poor it's it's very difficult whereas when the wealth is more broadly spread then uh, countries tend to have uh, higher levels of what is called human capital and uh and, and that's where a more equitable and balanced and robust economy can also emerge, with with, with you know, enterprises and small enterprises which have relatively high productivity. And uh, so there is a there is a connection between between equity and faster economic growth.
0: And of course, I mean, I I, I think we should um, bring out here, and this is something you touched on earlier, that we're not simply here. Talking about how much money people have or may not have in their pockets, but um, inequality ha- knocks on into things like social stability and uh, the long-term uh, ability of economies to grow and uh, to provide a workforce for specific sectors, and also into things like like health and and long and length of life, doesn't it?
1: Yes, absolutely. That's the you know that's the idea of the of of, uh, of having uh, social cohesion when you, you have an equitable distribution of of income and wages, more or less equitable. But uh, you know you ha- you have people who feel they belong to the same country, to the same society. You don't have a sense of people living different on different planets or in different bubbles. And that social cohesion is is really very important when it comes to uh, economic development and the development of uh, also of social security, social protection systems, um, and uh, and it's also linked to the issue of trust. You know, when people don't trust each other, you don't you don't have a well-functioning economy, and it can go much further than that, of course. Yeah. Uh, that uh, when you have highly unequal societies, you tend to have much more crime. You tend to have much more violence. And if we go to to the very extreme of that thinking, we we come back to the reason why the ILO was created in the first place, uh, because the ILO's creation was based on the idea that that you need social justice in order to have peace in the world. And that's uh, that's an idea that we uh, you know we would be well inspired to. To remember a bit more frequently on these days.
0: Mm. And now you've been looking at some of the effects of the pandemic, the COVID crisis, on wage inequality. What were the What were some of the things that you found?
1: Well, the indeed we've been uh, publishing the the global wage report, which has looked uh, on this issue, and and others in the ILO have looked on this issue too. The ILO monitor has been looking at at uh, this issue. And I think it's clear that uh, that uh, first of all, a lot of the people who lost their jobs during COVID um, are disproportionately low-wage workers, because um, the high-wage workers had uh, had more possibility to carry on working from home, uh, to do what we call the teleworking from home. And uh, and also, because some of the sectors that closed, like restaurants and hotels, uh, employ a disproportionate number of uh, of workers with, with low pay. And so, uh, in that sense, uh, it's quite clear that the pandemic has further increased inequality, especially wage inequality, when you include all the people who suddenly earn zero wages. Um, there, there is, there's clearly been an unequal impact of of the crisis. Uh, it's been also the case on, uh, on from the perspective of gender inequality, because many women have been affected by the by the lockdowns and the closure of, of sectors where they were overrepresented. And uh, and so it's very important that when we think of the recovery, we keep those inequalities in mind. Because there can be no human-centered recovery if, uh, if the recovery is a very unequal recovery which further deepens pre-existing
0: inequalities. I mean, no, no lasting and stable recovery anyway. So let's talk a bit about what, what can be done about wage inequality uh, and indeed income inequality and some of the tools. I mean, let, let me start off with one idea that's banded around quite a lot, which is that of minimum wages. What, what role do you think minimum wages play in reducing wage inequality?
1: They play a very important uh, role. Uh, minimum wages is, uh, is a legal tool to ensure that uh, there is a minimally acceptable level of wages that, that is being paid in the economy to ensure that uh, workers can actually live uh, together with their families in a, in, a, in a decent way as a result of, of the work that they carry out. And, uh, and so we see that more and more countries have come around to this idea that minimum wage is actually a, a very useful tool to to reduce wage inequality, but to ensure also that those people at the bottom of the pyramid earn some decent level of wages and incomes. Ninety um, percent of ILO member states do have minimum wage systems in place. Sometimes uh, they. They don't work as well as they could. Uh, you know, sometimes they don't cover vulnerable groups of workers, like domestic workers or, or others. Sometimes they are set at a level that is too low. Um, but uh, but 90% of countries have minimum wages, and the ILO is working with a lot of countries to actually improve the, the minimum wage systems. Of course, um, it has to be said that um, in order to be very effective. These systems need to be well designed, uh, you know, set at the right adequate level, either by governments or, or through collective bargaining. Um, and but there also needs to be decent levels of compliance, and that is sometimes very difficult in developing countries which have very large informal economies. And so the informal economy is a challenge to the effectiveness of minimum wages, and so. Minimum wage is best looked at not as a single individual tool, but as 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 one in uh, you know as one policy in in a set of policies that that can be more inclusive and reduce inequalities.
0: Yeah, because if I was going to put the argument against that, I would say to you that minimum wages can lead to the export of jobs to um, lower wage areas or countries. They can maybe increase the size of the black market in labor put by pushing people out of the formal labor market and they're a constraint on on small businesses.
1: Yes that's true if you and particularly if you set the minimum wage at a level that is too high which does and, and doesn't take into account the economic realities of the of the country uh, itself. And uh, so minimum wage fixing is a delicate balance between the needs of workers and their families and, and economic uh, factors and affordability, because we need sustainable enterprises to create jobs and to create decent jobs. So, um, uh, you know, we always call for very cautious uh, approaches to minimum wages based on evidence and taking ac- into account different factors and different perspectives and to set in, pli- in place monitoring systems to see what happens once the minimum wage is increased or, or established. And uh, if there is a sense that the minimum wage hurts uh, job growth or, or competitiveness, then there is maybe a need uh, to look into the system again. This being said, um, the recent Nobel Prize was, was uh, handed over to David Card, who is a uh, who is an economist who's done a lot of work on on minimum wages and who's shown that uh, when the minimum wage is set at an adequate level, it it, it tends to not uh, have any negative effect on employment. Minimum wages also gives money into the pockets of people who are going to spend it. And uh, that that is something that we often forget uh, in these economic models, which are sometimes a bit too simplistic.
0: Mm, so obviously it's 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 a delicate and subtle tool um just run us through quickly a few of the other tools that are around for uh for dealing with this wage inequality because obviously it's a kind of basket isn't it
1: yes it's a uh, it's uh, i think uh, it, it's only through a combination of several tools that you 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 end up being able to reduce wage inequality in uh, in a substantial manner and uh, collective bargaining and, and wage bargaining is certainly perhaps the most single most important uh, instrument because uh, it's a way of ensuring that, that uh, productivity gains are reflected in wage gains that when there is uh, you know when when an enterprises or sector is doing well then there is a possibility for everybody who is engaged in that enterprise or in the sector or the workers to receive a fair share of of the fruits of progress um, and uh, and that's also what helps create a, a strong middle class which which has a, a good purchasing power and is able to to sustain the uh, the economy so collective bargaining i think is uh, you know is uh, is a tool which um which which needs to be used. Otherwise, you will have a minimum wage and lots of people have the minimum wage and, and tend to have very polarised wage distributions.
0: And what about things like, like equal pay initiatives and pay transparency initiatives or indeed uh, legislation? What about things like that?
1: Absolutely. Very important as well. And uh, in particular, when it comes to the issue of... Uh, Eliminating the gender pay gap, we we have calculated that uh, across the world, globally, women are paid about twenty percent less than men. And uh, we've also been looking at, at why this is the case. And uh, in the past, there was a lot of uh, assumption or arguments that it was because women have uh, lower levels of education or they have less skills and they're or less training, but That's not the the main reason anymore. Um, What we've, what we found is that uh, there is an element, of course, that that is impossible to explain and perhaps uh, relates to discrimination. Certainly there is discrimination in in the labor market. There is also occupational segregation with women working in some particular occupations and uh, men in other occupations. And so there is a tendency to undervalue these, these occupations, and uh, that's also been the case, in particular of the health sector, when it's been very visible during the, the times of COVID. And so, um, equal pay initiatives and, uh, and, and laws, and also you know initiatives to ensure pay transparency, can be very helpful in, in that regard. So, you know, these are some of the tools. Then you have also the issue of the public sector pay, how people are paid in the public sector, how wages of people are protected, ensuring that people are being paid on a regular basis every month or so. All these are elements which can be used in order to to promote uh, an equitable distribution of wages but then of course underlying this there's also the issue of uh, of skills and education we have to make sure that um, that we have a you know, that, that vulnerable groups have access to education because without education in, in the modern world in which we work it is very difficult to get a very productive jobs and I think that would be the case more and more in the future where you know without uh, being able to handle technology um, you, you will be penalized
0: in the job market yep it's obviously a very complicated and difficult issue to resolve inequality but patrick thank you very much for taking us through that that was patrick belsa senior economist and wage expert at the ilo And that's all we have time for in this edition of the ILO's Future of Work podcast. Please join us again soon for another discussion on key questions on the future of work. Goodbye.